You're listening to Average Joe Sports Talk Podcast with your boy E-Man. Yo, what is up, everybody? Your boy E-Man coming at you. Happy New Year's. Episode 77. First episode of the 2020 year, man. And I'm so far, I want to wish everybody a great and prosperous New Year. Hope everything comes uh, to fruition this year. Wish all my audience the best, the best luck, wealth, health. Well, health first, because you need the health to make the wealth. And much success in all your uh, endeavors. And, um, you know, I hope everything you put the work in comes true. So, you know, hey, last night, man, today is uh, the 1st, January 1st. And I'm going to be recording a few of these throughout the day, throughout the week. Man, the 31st, last night, New Year's Eve, ah, your boy, you know, just not as young as he used to be. Doesn't recover as well, even though I didn't drink nowhere near as much. Not at all. Thank God for Uber. Uber, I had I had a couple of parties. I went to uh, my neighbor's house and I met my family up in uh, where my mom lives and stuff like that. You know, my family, actually, my, my kids and my wife were heading to Disney the next day. So they left with the in-laws and they spent the night over and missed them very much overnight in New Year's Eve. But your boy partied out. And it's just a little bit tired. It doesn't, you know, I don't, I, you know, 41 years old, man, you start losing your edge there when it comes to the, the partying scene, especially when you had kids, when you have kids. I know it doesn't, it doesn't, you know, you get out of shape in the, from the partying scene anyway. Uh, I even hit the, the court yesterday and, you know, did a little basketball workout, trying to get my game back. My knee had a little knee injury a couple of uh, months ago. I usually play, I was playing twice a week, pick up basketball with my coworkers. Uh, during our lunch, during our lunch breaks, you know, we have a facility real next to the office and we go out there and we, and we hoop it up, man, for like about an hour, hour and a half. And uh, anyway, getting back to the sports topic, episode 77, we are back. NFL season is over. We're in the middle of the college uh, football playoffs and balls and all that good stuff. And I apologize in advance because I'm not a college football guy. I mean, I sound stupid really over sport, but when it comes to college football, I sound even dumber. It's one of the things growing up in the East Coast, growing up in New York, you didn't get into. So I apologize for not giving you any content, period, on college football because it's not my cup of tea. And, you know, man, I'm all about quality, not quantity. So I cannot give you something that I'm not good at. But jumping and staying into the NFL, that's the football that I dig. That's the football I grew up around. That's the football that I think my opinions are pretty, pretty, pretty well solid, right? You know, not stupid at all, but I think uh, they have some uh, validity to them. And, you know... Sticking to the NFL, the playoffs are upon us, and I'm not do any. I'm not gonna do any reaction previews, playoffs, or anything like that. I'm not gonna do any predictions. I bombed the last year, but I want to focus on certain storylines. And you know, all year long, your boy's a Giants fan. My Giants suck, but since the preseason, I started doing a comparison with between Daniel Jones and Kyler Murray. Going back to you, all my loyal listeners, if you've been listening since day one, I did a comparison. Preseason round, I gave it to Daniel Jones. He looked better than Kyler Murray. Uh, I think I did a, a midseason review with uh, Kyler Murray and also Daniel Jones. I was like episode second comparison, and I kind of gave him a, uh, the edge to both. I think pretty much both are pretty even. And now the season is over. A nice sample size of games, 16 for Kyler and 13 for Daniel Jones. I'm going to give you my season evaluation of both Kyler Murray and Daniel Jones. As you all know, Kyler was the number one pick. Daniel Jones, Danny Dimes was number six picks by the Giants. You know, very controversial pick. By the way, the Giants fired Pat Shermer. I appreciate that. Thank you very much. It's about time. And we just, we're not going to get Ron Rivera because he just signed with the Redskins. So here we, Pat McCarthy, here we go. Anyway, staying off subject. Let me get back. Let me get back into my lane here. I want to do my comparison again 
with for the third time this season, this year. Well, not this year. I did it twice in 2019 and now in 2020, but now the season is over. My comparison evaluation of Kyler Murray and Daniel Jones rookie season. And and let's just stop. Let me let me let me stop introducing and you know, let's get let's cut to the chase, man. Let's get busy here, man. Let's let's jump on to this bread and butter right here, man. All right. First, I'm gonna start with Daniel Jones. Giants won four games under Daniel Jones. Nothing crazy. Um, look, one thing you saw about Danny Dimes, he has some growth to do. He turns the ball over a little too much, and I'm going to go into detail there. His games were either feast or famine, all right? He had some real, out-of-this-world, insane, insane games, and then he had some really, really bad games, all right? So pretty much regular season stats. Danny Dimes had uh, a little over 3,000 passing yards in 13 games that he played. 24 touchdowns, 12 INTs. That's not bad from the touchdown and, and INT and interception ratio. But he had a total of 18 fumbles. That's a lot. He fumbled a sixth time while running the ball, while, you know, once he became a rusher, and then 12 times as a quarterback, you know, dropping back to pass or in the pocket, which that's not good. I mean, you add the INTs and the fumbles together, man, that's, that's, that's 30, that's 30 turnovers, man. I don't care what you call it. 24 touchdowns to 30 uh, turnovers, regardless whether it's, INT, whether it's interceptions or fumbles, that's turning the ball over by the quarterback, by one person. That's not good. That's my big F on Danny Dimes. He needs to get really, really consistent. And I don't know if he needs to glue his damn hand to the football to prevent the fumbles because he had more fumbles than he had interceptions, and that's not good. Anyway, 61%, almost 70% completion ratio, not great, not horrible either. Again, rookie mistakes, 87% uh, percent quarterback rating, nothing crazy, but it's not horrible and is above average, so that's good. From the rushing stand side, I mean, the dude, he's mobile. We all know that. Average 6.2 yards per carry, had two touchdowns. Hey, not bad. Not bad. Look, I'll give him credit. He does throw a beautiful ball. Let's also give him a little bit of credit here. The fact that the line wasn't great. All right. And a lot of injuries. Evan Ingram, his wide receivers were injured on and off. Sterling Shepard. I mean, Tate, even Miss Slayton, who I'm promising future. A lot of injuries. So therefore, and Tate's, you know, four, four games, well, four games especially at the beginning of the year didn't help either. But I think. They're moving to the right direction. Daniel Jones needs to really cool it with the turnovers. The interceptions are one thing, but when you are fumbling the ball 18 freaking times in 13 games, that's not good. That means you're averaging about almost two, eh, almost one and a half fumbles per game uh, for the season. And as a quarterback, it's not like you're the running back who's going to get hit over and over again as you're running the ball. That's a, just just being pure careless with the with the football when you're dropping back to pass. Okay, you're not taking care of the football when you're taking off for a run. Again, that's not good. Forty five rushing attempts, six fumbles. That's not good either. Do like the fact that you know he's mobile. Being having his mobility is good. Just gotta improve his pocket presence with the protection of the football, and things are gonna be much much better. Again, I, like I mentioned earlier, with, with Danny Dimes, his feast or famine. I mean, he had some unbelievable game. Look, best games of the season. His first game, the first game that he started against the Tampa Bay, that was one of his best games of the season. He threw for two, 
ran for two more. Game-winning drive, too. A kid showed all the tools, passed for 336 yards, had a 112 uh, rating and an 87.8 quarterback rating overall. Then after that, he kind of was was very inconsistent. To touch two, in, two interceptions, one pick. He had like really one, two, three, like four more games after that. That five more games after that that were not that were not good games. And then he had a another explosion, another explosion game um, against Detroit on the twenty seventh of October. He passed for four touchdowns, passed for one hundred twenty two yards. Then after that, had a a really really bad game against Dallas. And then against the Jets, threw for more, four more touchdowns, passed for 308 yards, had a little bit of some inconsistency against um, the Bears, passed for two touchdowns, but it was horrible. I mean, he didn't have an interception and then turned the ball over for once, but that defense kept him at bay. I get Green Bay, three picks, horrible again. Against uh, then, then, then he had that game, the, the blowout game against Washington. Uh, insane. He passed for five touchdowns, 352 yards, the best game of the year. And then the last game against Philly, you know, he had a touchdown or interception, uh, just horrible again, got sacked four times. The guy got sacked 38 times in the whole season. That's, you know, again, I think that's going to help. Uh, building a better line is going to help with his uh, turnovers as, as far as the the fumbling, which is the, the biggest part of it, and the interception. So, look, I'm not I'm not praising and taking the anointment oil just yet. I, I think Donnie Dimes have a lot of – he has good tools. I mean, I could see his mobility – the fact that he could throw a beautiful football, he's accurate, all right, when he has a time. But, you know, 38 sacks is going to be tough. I mean, he had games that he was sacked eight times. He, there was a, at least six games that he was sacked over for, uh, over four, four, four sacks a game, four and over. So, again, it's bad. It's the same, same story with Eli last year. Overall, I'm going to give him my grade in a minute after we compare Kyler Murray's rookie season and his stats. One thing, though, Kyler has over... Kyler Murray has over Mr. Uh, Danny Dimes here is he is he is a little more polished in the sense of, you know, he he definitely proved he's polished because he t- takes care of the football and makes better decisions than Daniel Jones. And I'm going to hit the stats real quick. But before I go into the stats of uh, Kyler Murray, look, I was wrong. I was the guy that said he should stick to baseball. I think I, I, I still think he should stick to baseball. I don't think his career is going to be very long. He's a short dude, even though he's a great passer, has a great arm, and you're smart. He's a he's a he's, he's not a, a running quarterback. He runs when he needs to, like a pretty close. He's pretty close to um, Russell Wilson, but he proved Kyler Murray proved that he's worth being picked number one, and the right decision was made by drafting him and trading Josh Rosen, the number ten pick last year, it was the right move by Arizona. For, so far, he. Proved me wrong on his rookie year. I thought he was going to struggle way more with that team because I, they never they didn't do anything to improve the Arizona Cardinals like they did for Rosen. But he proved that he's such a much better quarterback than Rosen. As we all know, Josh Rosen, who I'm a fan of, disappointment with Miami. I mean, I mean, dude, I don't know what's wrong with this kid. He has all the tools in the world. Josh Rosen does, but doesn't have it on top, man. Anyway, going back to Kyler Murray, check it out, man. 64% completion percentage. Wash with um with Daniel Jones, who had a 60, I think it's 61. That's almost even, right? He threw for more yards, 3,700 yards instead of 3,000. Average per pass, 6.9 to 6.1, 6.7, same thing. He threw for 20 touchdowns and had 12 picks. Like I said, Danny Dimes had more touchdowns. He threw for more touchdowns, but here's the big difference. And we all know that Kyler is an athlete. 
He rushed for 544 yards and four touchdowns. Kyler had more rushing touchdowns, but here's his big difference. Kyler Murray had a combined five fumbles in the whole season. All right, three. He fumbled when he was in the mode of running, when he ran the ball, and two was a passer. So five, as opposed to 18, that's a huge, huge variance and gives the edge to Kyler Murray when it comes to decision-making and protecting the football. That's huge. That's huge. I mean, think about it. Kyler Murray had the same team that Josh Rosen did, and Kyler Murray blew him out the water. I mean, he threw for 3,700 yards. That's pretty good, man, for a team that doesn't have a lot of weapons, just like the Giants. But Kyler, I think, has the edge when it comes to the decision-making. Right now, he's over it. Um, Look, so far, to me, grading-wise, Kyler Murray had a better season, and he should have the better season because he's the number one pick. Kyler Murray should be having a record break in rookie season because he's the number one pick. When you draft a player number one, especially a quarterback, he, he needs to be a, a difference maker. And look, he he didn't. I, I, I said he should, I, I, again, he should just stick to baseball because he's going to make more money and he's going to play longer than he will in football. But the kid likes to play football. And one thing that I am impressed about Kyler Murray is the fact his ability to throw the football downfield. He has an unbelievable arm, has great accuracy. And the fact that he knows that he's athletic and can run, he is choosing to run when he needs to, not in order to make it part of his every single down game, kind of like Lamar Jackson. He's way smaller than Lamar Jackson, so he will get hurt a lot quicker than Lamar Jackson. Overall, Kyler Murray gets a pretty much a B-plus for his rookie season. And I'm going to give a B-minus to Danny Dimes, my boy Danny Dimes. The fact that 18 fumbles, that's outrageous. That's that's more more fumbles and interceptions. For a quarterback, that is not good. That is a real, real problem. And I just surely hope, man, that they strengthen that line. But still, his ability to protect the football has to improve drastically. If not, Danny Dimes will not be starting in the NFL by year three. I just said it. Look, I'm a Giants fan, but I'm also real. Daniel Jones does not protect the football. He will not be a starting quarterback in year three, and we're going to have a problem, big-time problem. And I don't know why Gettleman did not leave with Pat Shermer, but I'm going to tell you why he didn't, because Danny Dimes had a decent season and proved them wrong. As for Eli Manning, he doesn't want to be a backup. Therefore, Eli would play somewhere else, and we'll touch on that some other day. I'm, I'm just, I don't want to talk Eli Manning right now because I think Eli should retire and stop being an idiot. But again, say it again. Kyler Murray gets the edge uh, over Daniel Jones in the uh, rookie year evaluation grade here. A, B plus for Kyler, B minus for Mr. Danny Dimes. It is what it is. Enough said. All right, moving on and touching on some uh, NCAA, some college football. I said at the beginning that I don't do a lot of college football because it's not my forte. But I do talk about coaches because that's what I do. Opinionate, I'm an opinionated individual. That's why I have a podcast. And look, after watching some of the ball games yesterday and throughout, you know, the month, is it me or is Jim Harbaugh, in my opinion, the most overrated and overhyped college football coach of all time? I don't get it. This guy. It was like they gave everything to this guy. Michigan did 
when he left the San Francisco 49ers and, you know, on his fourth year. And they gave him so much money because he did have some success coach. And they also had some previous success in college before he went to the NFL. But honestly, he hasn't done anything since he took over Michigan. Yeah, the pro- program is a little bit better, but there hasn't been no ball success. Look, let's, let's, let's start from the top. Let me not get ahead of myself. Jim Harbaugh right now is the third highest paid coach in college football, making a annual salary of seven and a half million. Okay. That's not counting his endorsements, his probably radio show that he has, his TV show that he has, and God knows how much cars he sells for different local dealerships and boosters and all that good stuff, right? As uh, as they sponsor him and all the, all the local um, advertising he does for himself as a, you know, as the head coach of the University of Michigan. It's funny because, you know, Michigan was struggling before he took over. He made it into a winning program. Um, I don't think he did something that many other coaches would do. But let's take a look. He took over Michigan back as a co- head coach of uh, the University of Michigan in 2015, went 10-3, actually won the Citrus Bowl. Not bad for his first year. They thought he was going to be championship caliber, right? 2016, he won 10-3 again, and I believe he lost at the Orange Bowl. And 2017, 8-5, lost at the Outback Bowl. You notice the balls are getting lower and lower again, and he's still losing. 2018, he went 10-3 last year and lost in the Peach Bowl. As we know, he got his ass kicked by Nick Saban, which everybody was saying, oh, this is going to be a throwback to 1998 when Brady had that great game in the Rose Bowl and blah, 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 the Citra, whatever bowl they played that year when Brady had that comeback. And it was like, you know, they went to overtime. It was insane. And then he got drafted. But they lost to the Citrus Bowl. They got their asses kicked by Alabama. Of course, Nick Saban, do you expect any more or less? I didn't, you know, 35 to 16. It was close in the first half. Then after that, boom, burners were put on and goodbye, Michigan. So that's kind of a brief breakdown of what he's done with his Michigan tenure so far for Mr. Harbaugh here. I mean, let's take a look at his career over nine years. He's two and five when it comes to coaching balls. All right. He is one and four with Michigan. He's gone to five ball games in Michigan, one, one. Mind you, one of those was a freaking Outback ball. The freaking Outback ball. That's like the one they play on Thursday. And he lost that. Decent success as a 49ers head coach. He got to the Super Bowl, lost to his brother in uh, 2012. And, you know, they had a great year. I think 2012, they won. Yeah, they won 11 and four. And they lost to the Giants in the NFC Championship. 2013, they won 12 and four. And, you know, my Giants got busy. That was that year that, you know, my Giants made a comeback. But again, he proves to be a semi-successful coach, but never could win the big game. And when you're paying so much, somebody that much money in college, you should get better than a one and four ball record. All right. As a Michigan, as Michigan head coach. I'm just saying, I'm just, I'm just really saying I'm not in any way trying to bash the dude, but yes, I am bashing the dude. Cause you know what, dude, he goes in there. He's, he was recruited like he was going to be the next big thing. Look, Michigan bowl game history is not the best because they're 21 and 25. And look, it's not like Michigan is Alabama, even UF, even UM in the heydays. They got, they have good history, but because it's one of the blue bloods of college, cause it's been around since like the 1800s, they're, you know, it's a great program, but sure, dude, it's, it's can't compare it to Alabama and the other schools in the, in the country. All right. Right now, the Clemson's in the, um, in the LSU. I mean, you can't really, you cannot say that. You cannot put Jim Harbaugh 
right in the same line of Urban Myers, Dabo Sweeney, and Nick Saban. Forget about Nick Saban. He's nowhere near Nick Saban. And I miss some other coaches. But he's the th- third highest paid coach behind these guys, be- behind Sweeney and Saban. I mean, it's ridiculous. He is definitely the most overrated and overhyped coach in the history of the NCAA. I mean, maybe I'm wrong, but I don't think so. I'm probably 100% right. And right now, the University of Michigan is on a crossroad. You either let this guy go or you keep with the medi- your mediocrity. And it is what it is because they're going to be mediocre with Harbaugh as a head coach because that's pretty much what he's giving the university. Mediocrity. All right. In the five years he's been there. One four in balls. One of them was the Outback Bowl. That should tell you everything you need to know. To me, that's my opinion, man. I'm just saying, I think he's the most overrated, overhyped college football coach in the history of the NCAA. Your boy Eman said it. It is what it is. There's my college football segment of the year. To all my loyal listeners and new listeners. In closing, Commissioner, former Commissioner Davis Stern was pronounced dead earlier today. Uh, the league announced it. Uh, he died at 77 years old, and it was the result of a brain hemorrhage that he suffered about three weeks ago. So he's been in the hospital for about three weeks now uh, due to a brain hemorrhage, and he's been fighting for his life for the past three weeks. And, you know, finally today, uh, sadly, he passed away and lost his battle. Funny thing, because I've been an NBA fan since um, way back when, uh, you know, kind of like late 80s when I was a kid and grew up with it throughout the 90s. And one of the things is that I, I guess I wasn't around. I wasn't a fan at 84, too young, and I wasn't into basketball yet. When he took over the league, man, the, the league was in a lot, was in in, in, a, in, a, in a crossroads, right? It's like the, the fork meets the road here, and a decision needed to be made. And he when he took over, man, it was about the league was going to be, if it didn't do what he did, the, the, the NBA would have been bankrupt in about a year or so. 30 years as commissioner, he went ahead and ushered a modern global NBA. He's the reason why the NBA wave went from a domestic, national within the U.S. It was a turmoil where you had the real bad times in the 70s and then the early 80s, you know, with the fights and, and, and the drug problems and all that stuff in the NBA. And he just took over, man, and, and made it into a huge global brand. It's because Davis Stern, Stern that the NBA went from such a, a platform. And don't get me wrong, he he was his marketing, he was a, a, an extremely brilliant strategist when it came to marketing and, and growing money. I mean, he made a lot of money for those NBA owners. What he did, Yao Ming getting picked number one, the Chinese player. NBA is huge in Asia and everywhere else in the world. There's camps everywhere for the NBA. There's representatives of the NBA in almost every country in the United States, in, in the world today. And all thanks to David Stern. He took a NBA that was, I guess, popular only in the United States and increased, all right, the television revenues from 10 million per year when it took over in 1984 to 900 million per year. That's insane. I mean, this is just one of the few reasons why this guy has to be considered uh, making him not only one of the greatest sports commissioners of all time, but also the most influential business leaders of this generation. That's insane. That is one of the biggest turnarounds. You take something that we're making $10 million a year to $900 million a year in, in that period of time, it's not just a sports commissioner. He's also an unbelievable business mind. He's up there with Jeff Bezos. Steve Jobs, may he rest in peace. The Ford, former Ford CEO, Macaulay, 
it's kind of things he did, man. He took a broken product, which was the NBA in the early 80s. And, and of course, he got some gifts. But it's what he did with those gifts. It's what he did with the league when Bird and Magic, you know, became the, the, the pieces. When Michael Jordan was drafted. When LeBron James was drafted. How he took it to Europe, Asia, India. And then was able to have an influence of drafting a number one pick from from China and Yao Ming, a communist country, you get number one pick, and he just completely, completely modernized that NBA. David Stern was all about the sport, man. He was he was tough, but he was also very marketable and had the best interests of each individual owners and the team at, and at you know and, and at stake. When he was the commissioner, the David Stern was all about the sport. It was all about basketball, the NBA, his players, you know, and, and look. The guy was tough when it came to the players. It was He was tough when it came to the players, and there was multiple strikes and lockouts, but guess what? $900 million makes it okay to be to have all these freaking lockouts, okay, from $10 million. He was all about the fact that the players understood under his watch that let's play ball, let's play basketball. You got to get rewarded, and you're going to make a career out of it, and it was all about the sport and nothing else, which there's a reason why NBA contracts and TV revenues were so high with them. And nowadays, the ratings are about 30% less than it was from when he was the commissioner. And I'm not going to dive into why, because I really don't know why. But, I, you know, a, a lot of people are tuning off from the NBA because it's gone away from nothing but sports to nothing but basketball to, to a lot of political issues. And, and I'm not against social issues, but I think that should be kept away from the sport. The NBA should be about, like, I'm a sports guy. When I say watch the NBA, watch football for the sport, because that's the only refuge you have from outside from the world. As a sports fan, I like to focus on sports, watch sport, because that's what gets me disconnected from everyday's issues, man. That gives me that peace. And that's what was that 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 was the NBA that he had. This guy took it from a freaking recreational pickup game to the biggest arena in the world. That's what the NBA went to. The biggest, one of the biggest global brands most popular brands in the world. David Stern, man, may you rest in peace, man. You will be missed. Deepest condolences to him and his wife and his kids and the rest of the NBA family that will sorely miss him and will be remembered as the man, the best commissioner in any sports organization in the world. Thank you, everybody, for listening. That's all I got for you this week. Uh, Happy New Year's once again. All you new, new listeners, yo, check out the description below for all the platforms where you can subscribe and listen to the podcast. And thank you very much for jumping on this ride. I appreciate you all, my loyal listeners, new listeners. Appreciate you all, man. See you next week. Your boy E-Man signing out. Peace. Oh.